0: The unwritten rules of Facebook.
1: It cut all of our ad costs by over 70%. How do you want to be able to take in all of this data that's around us? And some of these campaigns have done up to $20 million in sales. I think
0: this is going to be the future for the next 10 years.
2: And now here is the win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss, Heather Heather Havenwood. Look, our
0: whole world revolves around our iPhone, iPad, Droid. You know, they say we look at our phones on average 150 times a day. And if you're a small business and want to actually grow, you need to reach people where they're looking at and listening the most, their smartphones. See, marketing via text messaging is a great way to start and it's super easy. Just text the word start to 72000 to learn more about my friends at Mobit. They're marketing experts and they will show you how to use text messaging for your business and to get more leads and convert them amazingly. Again, text the word start to 72,000. Again, that's text the word start, S-T-A-R-T to 72,000. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Today I have Chris Pierce on the line all the way in gorgeous Hawaii. Chris, are you on the line? I am. All right, this is going to be a really fun interview. So what you need to know is I'm over here in Austin, Texas, as you know, but at the same time, he's over there in paradise, and I'm having to have <laughs> him close all these doors because we hear this gorgeousness of the waves and, of course, the birds in the background, you know, the voices of paradise. So thanks for being here, Chris, and closing your doors.
1: <laughs> yeah, no worries. Happy to be here. I'm super excited to chat, to dig in.
0: Yeah, I'm ready for this. So I want you all to know a little bit about Chris and why I invited him on the win, because inside of being a winner and winning in life, you have to have the right mindset. And I was interviewed by Chris a couple months ago for his podcast. And Chris is the host of the brain waves performance podcast and where he interviews influential guests to explore, educate and inspire you to face your fears and overcome challenges and perform under pressure. And I love your mission with that, Chris, because it's really about peak performance. And one of the things y'all need to know about Chris going forward is he's basically been working with the military as part of the special operations cognitive enhancement for performance team. Chris has had the honor of developing, implementing, and managing multiple programs designed to develop the full potential of special operations soldiers using a systematic process that enhanced the mental skills essential for optimizing elite operator performance. That's a lot of words. At the end of the day, you help our special operations here in America kick some butt. That's what I would say. So tell us about that. Tell us about you working with the military, if you can talk about or what that's like and how you got involved in that.
1: Yeah. So I think it starts out kind of before that. I studied exercise science in college and basically with the idea that I would need to do more schooling (laughs) if I studied that. And so I was kind of forcing myself to do more education, but I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked the fitness world. So I got into a master's program and they offered a wide variety of directions to go to. And so I took a course called Philosophy of Movement. And this was really my stepping stone into this performance psychology or sports psychology world. And it helped me to identify why I connect with the things that I do physically. So why do I surf? And why growing up did I play baseball and soccer and just have a passion for these things and skateboarding? And it was gaining that understanding of who I am as a person, and the movements that I like to do, and that really started me on this path of how you can enhance the performances that you do, whether physical or just daily tasks, parenting, to by leveraging your mind. And so I started on this path, ended up getting my master's, started working with a company called Dean Sports Consultants who trained professional surfers. So I did that for three years. And then there was this opportunity to work with the U.S. Army. Based on the experience that I had had working with both groups as well as one-on-one, I got this invitation and moved out to North Carolina at Fort Bragg where they train the Special Forces soldiers. And so I tell you, I give you that intro Because I think that it's important to identify that I did go to school for this, but I also had a background before just jumping into working with, you know, some of the most elite soldiers in the world. But it was a really awesome experience where basically we just helped them to identify what makes them tick. Hmm. Because you talk about an optimal mindset, and I think that there's a misconception out there that there is a single optimal mindset that everybody should just get to. And I don't believe that to be true. I think that we are all individuals and that we all function completely differently. The main thing that we did with the special forces guys was helping them to identify what makes them tick because one guy might need to think about his family and the gratitude for them and the patriotism or somebody else might just need to get mad, Mm. you know, and that anger fuels them and gets them to the right energy levels and the right emotional state so that they can function at an optimal level. So what I, try to help people do, Mm -hmm. as well as the soldiers, is identify what that is and then help build in techniques so that they can get there.
0: It's really interesting because, I mean, you know, movies and also watch interviews of special forces or ex-special forces, as they call it, or retired. And you're right. We have a particular view, I think, as a society that if they're in special forces or an army or military or that high level, they are driven by one thing. Right. And I don't think that's really true is what you're kind of pointing out. I mean, that's coming to mind, of course, is the American Sniper. Right. That movie just came out. I'm in Austin. I think that kind of hits home for me because he was from Dallas and there was a lot of talk about him and you can watch the movie. And I would assume based on the movie that he was. Well, let me ask you, what do you think
1: he was driven by? Did you watch the movie? I have seen the movie and also read the book. And I mean, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, to make assumptions, but it seemed like him and I've found this to be true of every sniper that I've worked with Mm -hmm. and I haven't worked with a ton, but the few that I have worked with, they of all people are very driven by the performance itself. So being excellent at what they're doing. Mm. Which oftentimes is very, very different from regular special forces soldiers because they may be more driven by more external things.
0: Can you give us an example? And this is really important. I want to bring this back to entrepreneurship for a second because they're in the army and then there are special forces and then they're a sniper. There's a different level. There's a niche. And what you're saying, there's possibly some common denominator of what drives them. And this is really important in entrepreneurship because we're told certain things to do in entrepreneurship. But sometimes you have to really look at what's really driving in the background is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. One of the biggest things that I found was there's this brotherhood. That they want to be part of. And there definitely is an aspect of, I don't want to call it peer pressure, but for lack of a better word, we'll call it peer pressure. But it's basically making these connections, relationships, you know, just being a bad A. That does a lot for them and pushes them forward. And then you do have the influences of of rank, of looking good in front of, you know, certain people and accomplishing certain things where I think with the snipers, at least the ones that I met, they're less driven by the rank and looking good and more by that specific task.
0: Mm, like being really good at the task.
1: <laughs> right. And they've chosen something that is very specific and they just want to be really, really good at that.
0: I get that. It. It's almost in the business world. It's like someone chooses a particular profession, like a particular kind of lawyer, or a particular kind of real estate or construction. They're really good at the task at hand and being proud of their work, which in nowadays world is so Far fretching because people like know it. I feel like nowadays people are getting further and further away from being proud of their work. Mm. Is that accurate in saying that that's kind of
1: what they're driven by, being proud of their work? That's definitely what I've seen. And not to say that other special forces soldiers don't have that. I just really identified it quite a bit with the snipers.
0: That's interesting. So when you are working with the special forces or even entrepreneurs, why do you go to that place? Or what is the first place you go to to look for the psychology behind it? What is the question you're first asking when you start working with either special forces or business owners or entrepreneurs?
1: It depends on the timeline. So just to put this out there, I work with soldiers. I work with athletes. I work with business people. On leveraging the mind to progress and to enhance your performance. And so if somebody comes to me and they're like, you know, if it's a surfer, I've got a contest on tomorrow then it's going to look a lot different than if somebody comes to me and says, like, hey, let's work together for the next six months or the next year. So let's say that um, in the situation with the special forces soldiers, a lot of times we had a set amount of time. So you're going to be here for four months or six months that we can work together together and going through a specific training and so every time when it was that situation I would start with identifying who they are from their most basic and core level Mm -hmm. and so the way that I do this is through just helping them build a personal philosophy of who they are at their core I don't know if you want me to get into the process of that
0: Well, yeah, because the first question came to me, and I'm wondering if the people thinking about it is like, okay, what is a personal philosophy? Because when you first said that, I kind of giggled because I have it that in the army or any kind of special forces, Marine or any of them, there's like a particular way they're told they're supposed to think. So I found it kind of odd when you said, I help them create their own personal philosophy. Cause I almost have it. They're not allowed to have that. You know what I mean? So in entrepreneurship, they are allowed to have that or sports. Right. They are allowed <laughs> to have that. So I find that interesting. So how does that help an entrepreneur or an athlete or special forces to have that? Or how do you find that?
1: I think that whether you're special forces, like, so yeah, the army has their creeds and and their values that everything that they do is based on. And you can't completely just accept that, you know, because you have your own personal experiences and you have your own life. And the reason that they joined... In the first place is something that's connected and meshed with that. And that's part of the process. And what you find often with those super elite is that they are very closely aligned, but you can dig even deeper and identify specifically what's created that for them. The process that I use is very simple, but It's just a matter of understanding who they are. So the first thing that I have them do is identify somebody who they know that they want to be like. This could be somebody right now, a coach or mentor or a teacher instructor, or it could be somebody like your t-ball coach when you were in kindergarten or your high school volleyball coach. It doesn't really matter, but I want them to identify somebody that they personally know. They might not be in contact with them anymore, but they need to have known them. Okay. So they identify that person and what it is about that person that they want to emulate or put into their own life. The reason I have them do that is because it's easier to identify strengths and just cool stuff about somebody else.
0: Let's play for a second. Do we mind? Can we play? Yeah. On this yeah. Okay, great. So let's see for me, I'm going to throw it out. All right. So people are going <laughs> to, the moment I say it, I'm ready for like the judgment of hell to come towards <laughs> me. So- Do not judge me. Donald Trump, so...
1: Well, wait, hold on, hold on. You might be jumping ahead. Do you know Donald Trump? Oh, no. Like, have you met him? Oh, I have to meet him. And I say this because the second one is somebody that you have not met
2: that you want to
1: be more like. So the first is it has to be somebody that you personally know. Mm. So for me, for example, is my dad. My dad is very, he owns his own business that has provided for his family. And I want to have that. He is very calm in every situation. And I try to be like that as well. He's an action taker and gets so much stuff done. So those are just three things about my dad that I really want to emulate but he's somebody that I know that I've seen intimately. So I have the separation between my dad and my second one who I don't know that I hope to interview one day is Will Smith. Great guy. And it's funny because a lot of people just connect him to the movies where I connect him to the interviews that he does, where he talks about the passion and the hard work and the difference between skill and talent and just working his butt off to get good at the things that he's not good at. And so I'm still in the thunder here. But So for you.
0: Yeah. Someone I know, oh, there's a mentor of mine, Richard Flint or Joe Sugarman. And for them, for me, they're just so, God, they they've one, they've been through a lot in their lives, but they're consistent, you know, and mm. they just barrel through things with just this glide and this energy of calm and clarity that I just so would love to emulate and have that experience. And when you're around them, you just want to tell them, everything about you and all your deep dark secrets and you've no clue why, and they don't ask you. They just like sit there and smile and go, okay, you know, that's them. And then Donald Trump, but Donald Trump for me has this, look, this is who I am. This is what I've done. I have a lot of scars. I have a lot of wins and I have a lot of scars and you can't take any of that away from me. You can't take away the scars. You can't take away the wins. This is me like me, not, doesn't matter. This is me. And no matter what his philosophy is or politics or view or whatever that is, to me, the fact that he just has that stance that's so clear and he's willing to alter it. Like, you know what? I had this stance and then I have new information and I'm making a new choice and people get all weirded out by that. I just have this massive amount of respect for someone that can just publicly, I mean, so publicly make a decision and then change it. Re-evaluate, you know, renew the situation or just stick with it. I just have such respect for that.
1: Right. So do you see what you did there? You identified things in two different people that you value. You find those things important and would like those to be part of who you are.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'd love to tell everybody to F off (laughs) (laughs) and not worry about any of it.
1: (laughs) So I like starting out with that because one, it's easier to focus on somebody else yeah. and, and identified their strengths and the things that you would like to do better at and things that you would like to do in somebody else. And it's just a good icebreaker to get kind of that dialogue going and get you started on who it is that you want to be. Right. So the next step that I take is I actually I have a PDF for this and I can send you the link to it for for the listeners to go through this process themselves. But the next step is I have a list of values. If you want to do this on your own, Google list of values and you'll get like I mean, mine, I think there's 60 just to simplify it. But you can get lists of like 400 Right. And so all I want you or the person to do is go through a list of values and identify the top five most important things that make you tick. So things on this list might be family, prestige, enthusiasm, love of learning. Mm. Right. So there are different core things or values, we call them in your life that you identify with. And you say that, yeah, this is why I take the actions that I do. And there's also a connection back to this list that you choose in your top five, just to keep it simple. I found five is a good number because three is pretty easy. And the next two people really struggle with. And so I want them to take some time to really dig in. And that's why I chose the number five.
0: (laughs) And let me ask you this. So how does finding the values, identifying a person that you know and don't know that you would like to be more like, how does that correlate for athletes, but also entrepreneurs and business owners? How does that correlate to performance in a day to day life? Or does it?
1: So here's the thing. I believe it was Zig Ziglar who said that motivation is like bathing. That's why we recommend it daily.
0: I've never heard that (laughs) quote, and I love (laughs) Zig Ziglar. Really? Oh, my God.
1: Well, it just makes so much sense because people often think about nobody's motivated all the time. And so it's really going through this process is identifying the things that are most important to you. And then at the end, once you have the philosophy actually created where you've written out your own personal philosophy, then you implement that into your daily life. And so it becomes part of who you are as a constant reminder that you have that you read to yourself every morning, that you read every night before you go to bed. And then you're using it as a tool so that when you have difficult decisions or those crappy hard days that you can leverage this philosophy or the core values of who you are and who you want to become so that you can increase that motivation so that you can do what is necessary to be successful, even when you don't feel like it.
0: Mm. That's really powerful. I mean, like right now I'm thinking about Tony Robbins. When I think of a motivation, I think of Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone said to me recently, cause he just had some stuff going on in the news at a seminar and they said, so what you're saying is when you go to a Tony Robbins seminar, you pay whatever thousands of dollars and what you get is a chair in a room full of other people for four days. And like, yeah, and some motivational music. Like, yeah, you pay four grand for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you look at that concept. If you look at it, you get a chair for four days, you know, so a hotel room with a bunch of the people and some music. Yeah. But why do people do that? And I think the motivating factors, like you said, it's because we desire to feel like we're motivated. My mentor, I actually talked about motivations, not necessarily gets people to action. It's more enthusiasm of something purpose of, and I think yeah. that's what you're identifying is like gets beyond the motivation and get to the enthusiasm. What's going to drive people towards something. I'm adding that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, no, accurate? definitely. Cause at the end of the day, you're talking about athletes, you're talking about soldiers you're talking about business people. They're all about results. Mm -hmm. And so this is just a tool to help them get those results. And I've not been to a Tony Robbins workshop, but I know several people who have, and they absolutely love it. And the part of the struggle is when you get home. So this philosophy and some of the other tools and techniques that I teach are basically to try to lose my job as quick as possible, make it so that they don't need me there every day because they have all the tools and techniques in place into their own life so that when they wake up and they don't feel like doing anything, they have the tools set up so that they'll get up and they'll do it anyway.
0: That's really perfect because I have to say that one of the challenges I find as an entrepreneur and some of the things that have been out there about entrepreneurship is like, go after your passion, do what you love, blah, blah, blah. I understand that concept, but at the same time, there's a piece of me that I don't want to do for a living what I love because then it won't be something I love anymore. Right. And I can understand how, especially someone in the athlete world, that they started surfing when they were, you know, eight years old and now they love it. And all of a sudden they're now pros. and Now it's like how they make a living. It's a like totally right. shift from a love to you got to win this contest, you got to win this, this deal or you're not going to make money. So it comes from. That, I know for myself, I love fitness. I love fitness. I love working out. I love that whole concept, but I don't ever want to place it in a space where I have to make money from it. Because for me, I think it would dilute the desire to do
1: it. Right. So the funny thing is those who are the most successful, as far as we'll say, like financially and like end results, just winning are those who do enjoy it. And, and so it's funny because people oftentimes get burnt out, you know, and then the thing that they were passionate about and that they love becomes a hassle and they yeah. stop enjoying it. And anybody that I work with, I want them to maintain that passion and that love. And the funny thing is you reignite that and that's when they do their best. Looking at surfing, I don't know how many of your listeners follow surfing, but Kelly Slater has been, they call him the most winningest athlete of all time. He's got 11 world titles. The guy's still in the top on the world tour at age 44, and he started when he was 18.
0: Wow. And so
1: he's had this amazing career, and he's had ups and downs for sure. But what you notice is when he's got his ups, It's when he's just happy and he's just going and he's doing it and he's surfing. And when there's not contests on, he's doing surf trips and just finding the passion and the joy of the travel and the wave riding.
0: So so I want you to listen to this because... Here's somebody, and I'm not familiar with him, right? But I can understand what you're saying. When he finds the joy in his work, he succeeds and he's winning over a period of time. And you know, it popped in my head just now, and I'm curious if you've done any psychology on her, and if you haven't, that's fine, we can skip it. But I am curious about it. Ronda Rousey, we all know that she had a winning streak, and then she had this big tournament and big contest, and then she lost this tournament, right? And it was this devastation. And what's interesting about her is that she really hasn't come out much in the public since then. Now, I don't know anything about her. I haven't read too much. It's very one inch deep of what I've read. (laughs) But I would say, I would insert that in. she got too much into her head about that particular fight versus getting back to why she was doing and the love that she has for her work. You know what I mean? And she got into that egocentric side of her because she's did all these massive number of interviews before the big fight. And the other girl didn't do as many, right? She kept into what I call mental state of that zone. And Rhonda was constantly doing interviews. She took every interview and she was like, I'm going to kick her butt. I'm going to kick her butt. I'm going to kick her butt. And then she got her butt kicked. Right. So I found it interesting about that is that sometimes happens in entrepreneurship. When we do business launches or when we do product launches or we're like, look at me, look at me, look at me and that was like we just crash and burn, right. you know. <laughs> and the reason I started this podcast was because I want people to understand that winning is a long-term game. Yeah. Winning is not one time going to the poker table and winning a streak. It is long-term <laughs> conversation. It is up and down and up and down and up and down. And like the gentleman you talked about, the wave rider, the surfer, he has had ups and downs 18 to 44. That's a long time career in one thing as an athlete. So what is that? I mean, how do people get that winning
1: streak? Okay, so it's I love that you bring that up because it's. Fascinating to me. And I think that a lot of people overlook this. In my experience, so many people identify somebody who's successful and they see what they've done and then they replicate it and it might destroy them. Now, for some, it may work because of whatever it is personality, psyche. There is a connection and they function in a similar way. Now, I'll give you two examples, right? You've got, let's say, Cassius Clay. Or Muhammad Ali. Now, he took every interview and he talked trash like nobody's business. And he was all about that. Now, that led to his high level of functioning. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Rhonda, and I don't know if this is true or not, may need to be more mellow, turn down some. It's a matter of identifying in yourself what creates that optimal level of functioning. Right, So we talk about like this mental edge, like something that you have that somebody else doesn't. That mental edge is the ability to tap into who you are at your core and leverage that. It's not this thing that oh, Will Smith is super driven, so I need to be like him. It's not Kelly Slater has been able to maintain this playful demeanor and make this long career. It's not about other people. The mental edge is completely about understanding what is inside you and what makes you tick Mm -hmm. and then leveraging that And building tools and techniques so that you can do it every single day. And if you miss a day, then get back on the next day. Mm. And I think that's what people miss because they want to identify what somebody else has done. And I guarantee you somebody else is similar to you and you can probably see that. But I mean, if you watch a fight you're going to see a dozen different ways that people prepare. You got the guy banging his head against the locker versus the guy who's got a hood on or a towel over his head you know, doing meditation.
0: Right. Like Rocky. I mean, like, you know, I love the <laughs> movie Rocky. Right. So he was kind of mellow again. I don't know real life, but in the movie before yeah. he went on, he was super mellow. Like he was super, like, right, uh, you know, he yep. was, and the other guy was always Mr. T. I remember Mr. T what was that Rocky three or something. He You know, Mr. <laughs> Mr. T and all the other guys were like in your face. I'm going to kick your butt. And it just causing all this stir. And then here's Rocky, like, Oh, uh, OK, you know,
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, well, that's cool. So I do find it interesting. I know for myself, some of the things that drive me, people always say over a period of my life and they say it in a negative tone is that I'm a fighter. Like you like to fight. And to me, I don't like to fight. <laughs> to me, I'm like, I love a conversation. Right. And I love to debate. I'm a debater. Like, oh, well, you have that view. That's interesting. Well, here's another view. Oh, you don't like that view? That's interesting. Like, you know, always, people always tell me I should have been a lawyer. And I probably should have been because I like to see different views of different things and hear different sides of stuff. And I do like to debate. I love to debate. I do. My boyfriend gets very mad at me about that all the time. I'm like, I'm not fighting with you. I'm debating. And see, in his world, like, that's a fight. In my world, that's just not rolling over and saying, yes, sir, you know, so, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> to me, it's like, well, I don't know if we should do that. Let's look at the view. you know? So I find it interesting that what you're doing. So tell us kind of in a overall step-by-step process, you went through deep steps, what, just kind of do an overview of the steps of how people can kind of take, what are the steps and then what can people do
1: with that in their day-to-day life? Okay. So you've got the identify somebody else, somebody that you know that you want to be like, that you personally have a relationship with. Second is identify somebody who you you don't know. So this could be a celebrity, it could even be like a superhero, right? Superman. And identify the reasons that you want to be like those people. The third step is to identify your top five values. If you're struggling just coming up with them, I would get a list and choose from the list, whether that's a list of 50, make it more than a list of five (laughs) because you want to have some options, right? And take some time to actually connect with it. The next thing that I do is have them connect to their personal strengths. And so I have a list of physical strengths, mental strengths, and interpersonal strengths. So these are their own strengths. And the crazy thing is this... Part takes forever because people, they're like, oh, I could tell you all my weaknesses, but we have a hard time identifying our strengths, what we're good at. And we want to identify what we're good at because it's those things that give us the confidence to move forward. Okay. And so with physical, this could be that you're good at running, that you're good at yoga. It could be a very specific thing. It could be that you're just agile. You can climb rocks and jump (laughs) on things. Like it doesn't matter. It's just what are you physically good at? Maybe it's I can sit there and pound out work for eight hours. Right. And I'm able to physically do that without being super exhausted. The second is the mental and this could be anything from having uh, high stamina and being able to focus on something for a long period of time. It might be I'm able to do difficult things or when I'm physically fatigued, I can use my mental state to overcome. It doesn't matter. It's just identifying the physical and then the mental and then interpersonal. I can connect with people quickly or I can ask deep questions to get to the root of the problem. I'm good at problem solving I'm good at critically thinking. I focus on these three areas because those are the biggest areas that pretty much everything else comes back to. Mm -hmm. Right. It's either physical, mental or somehow connected with other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I have them identify their strengths and I give them a minimum of three in each of those categories. So they have to come up with a three strengths in each of those. Sometimes that is like pulling teeth. But that's, that's part of the process. And I think that if it was easy and simple, then it wouldn't mean as much. So then the next step is really just putting all of it together. So on the PDF that I have, there's just a table where they just input all of that information, right? So they write my dad, Will Smith, my five values of family, enthusiasm and, you know, whatever else, right? Then put in your physical, mental, interpersonal strengths, and then you have it all right there on this table. And so at this point, what I want them to do is identify an image. And this is where it gets a little bit more creative. So for me, my image is of a wave. So they choose an image and then they connect with it and list out and write the reasons why. The reason that I identify with a wave is because a wave can be strong and powerful, but it can be leveraged for enjoyment. So at my core, I want to be strong and powerful and influential. But at the same time, I don't want to be taken too seriously. And I want to be somebody that can have fun and enjoy life. And that's what I see as a surfer, that I really connect with who I am, right? And the reason that I have them do this is one, it gets them creatively thinking, but two, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So all the other things that we've come up with, with the values and strength, We're trying to tie to an image because let's say that you don't have time to read your philosophy. You can at least look at the picture and it's directly tied to that picture. Right. And this doesn't have to be a picture. I mean, it could be I have a colleague that I worked with who his was the thinker, you know, the the Mm -hmm. statue, the Mm -hmm. thinker. Yeah. And so he actually had a mini one of those. And so that was his image that he leveraged to connect to the rest of his philosophy. So then the final step, once you've got the image, And a description of why the final thing that you do is write a philosophy. And this is where people really struggle as well, because I'm not a good writer or whatnot, whatever excuse. But what I have them do is find something that they can replicate a song, a creed, look up creeds. I mean, universities have them, the police have them, the military has them. There are a lot of creeds out there, Mm -hmm. and the reason that I have them do that is because Because I want them to give it meaning, give it strength, and give it structure. So when writing a philosophy, I want them to have those three things. So what I mean by that is give it meaning. I want it to connect to you. I want the words that you're saying to sound like you. You may have stolen it from a poem or from a song as far as like some of the meaning that you're going to take. But it's things that you connect with. Give it strength. I want them to use words that are powerful, that when you read, you get goosebumps, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And to give it strength so that it's not just like, eh, sudden you read, but when you hear it, it's like, wow, that's powerful. And then the last thing is give it structure. I want it to have some sort of format to it, you know, whether it's a... So uh, real quick on the format, real
0: quickly. So my image of the image, yours is the wave. Yeah. So for me, when you said it, mine was a lion. Awesome. Yeah, a female lion. They're very nice. fierce. You don't mess with those bees, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so fierce but beautiful. And I don't know if yeah. that's something yes. you're connecting with as well, but they're like <laughs> they are graceful they and are. agile and
0: But it's like they're fierce and beautiful, but they look sweet and loving. But if you mess with them, they're going right. to tear your head off. Like that is right. me. That is me with them. I'm like, oh, I look sweet. But you get near me, I'm like, ah, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I love that. So you're making this connection to something. And a lot of times it is animals. I mean, it could just be like a piece of art as well. Right. So the format portion, I think people get stuck on a lot where they don't necessarily know what they want it to look like. Now, you got to remember the philosophy is just for you. I mean, sure, you can share it if you want, but at the end of the day, the philosophy is written as something to motivate you, to help you connect to your passion, to your joy, so that you can get the results that you desire, like you were saying, so that you can be consistent in those actions that lead to success. It's not success that we do. It's all the daily grind that we do that just leads to the success. And this is just a tool to help us do the sucky things that we have to do (laughs) every day to get the success. I've had people that, they copy a creed. So when I say copy, they're not writing the same words, but maybe they're using the format of every sentence starts with, I am, or Mm -hmm. I will, or maybe they're just using part of a song and they're taking words from that song and then inputting the information that they got from their values and from their strengths. And they're putting it Into that song, but they're just using the song as a bit of a format or structure. And then you write it down. You spend some time to physically write it. And it can be as long or as short as necessary for you to connect with those people that you want to be more like, to your values, and then to your strengths so that you can make difficult decisions, that you can do the crap that it takes to be successful, that when you don't feel like doing it, you can get up out of bed and do it. At the end of the day, that's really all that we're trying to do with creating a philosophy.
0: You know, I love this. I just want to tie it up is like, Here's the thing. When you're talking about the win of philosophy in life, when you're not taught this stuff in school, you're not taught that. You're taught to be there at yeah. 730 in the morning, you sit there for eight classes. Every 45 minutes, you change classes or whatever it was for you. And then you just listen, 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 do, 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 do. And then go home and somehow you succeed in life. right? <laughs> and then in business and in entrepreneurship as an athlete, it's totally different. Politics, yeah. anything you choose, lawyer, politics, whatever that is for you, being a doctor, it is different kind of winning philosophy. And if you don't sometimes know why you're doing what you're doing versus just like what they call just for the paycheck or working for the man, if you lose sight of the why, which is what you're pointing to, you're figuring out the why in a step by step process, the behind the scenes of the why of the I know that will make a big difference. I know for myself at a young age, when I was in the 20s and 30s, for me, it was all about making money, making money, making money, making money, making money. And somewhere along the way, I kind of lost myself in that because I kind of forgot why I was making the money. You know what I mean? Like why I was trying to do what I'm doing. So this kind of puts a view of why am I doing a podcast? You know what I mean? Why am I having an interview? Why am I putting the time into this? What's the big picture other than the security of making money, because I think making money is good. All right. yeah. So I'd love that you're doing, and so how can people work with you, and, and where can they find you? And they want to raise their hand, and say, "Yes, I'd like to work with you."
1: <laughs> The best way to contact me is through my website or my email. The website is brainwavesperformance.com and there's a email contact page there. They can go there to learn more about me and it's not just me. We've got another mental trainer named Matt Vizzani and then Karen Costello. We, we each bring a wide variety to the table of experience.
0: Do you have group sessions or is this only one-on-one?
1: We offer group sessions, whether large or small, Uh whether it's a business, a small group of CEOs or coaches, a small group of athletes, or individually in one-on-one. Oftentimes we kind of go in that order. Like we have a large group and then some of them want to do something that's even bigger and stronger. And so they get a core smaller group together. And then some of them want to work more intimately just one-on-one. We offer each of those, whether you're athlete, whether it's corporate training, or if you've worked with Dennis before. It really just depends on you wanting to leverage your mind to get better at something. My direct email is chris at brainwavesperformance.com. And you can email me questions. I'm an open book. I really do enjoy helping people. Mm-hmm. There's also I mentioned that we have this PDF.
0: Yeah, I'll put it in the show
1: notes. I'll send you the link, but Great. you can find it on the website, okay. bringersperformance.com. It's titled Philosophy of Success. You can find it there, but I'll give you the direct. To yeah, it. send
0: me the link on Heatherhavenwood.com under podcast. I will definitely be putting this now this podcast as well as the link and your website there as well. So thank you, Chris, so much. Thanks. Last words.
1: Take action. Even if you're scared. And I think that we talked a little bit about that, you know, when I interviewed you, but just take some action and identify who you are. And that is going to be your biggest asset over trying to be like somebody else. Yeah. Leverage your own strengths and who you naturally are at your core. And by identifying that, you'll be able to perform at an optimal level. Versus trying to copy what somebody else is doing.
0: Yeah, it's not good to be a copycat. It's you know It really is challenging to do that. I think sometimes people listen to people's stories because they want to copy what they're doing versus learn from the lessons and right. understand the lessons. Right? It's
1: huge right now in entrepreneurship. And I mean, you talk about mentorship and like, okay, find somebody else that's doing what you want to do. And mm-hmm. I get that from a physical standpoint, like a business. So yes, I can copy the business strategy and business plan. But what I'm talking about is in your day-to-day living, who you are at your core. Like when you wake up in the morning, does the alarm that goes "Eh, eh, eh," help you? Or do you need something like myself who I wake up every morning to that song that goes, this is going to be the best day of my life. Oh, I should do that. That's awesome. (laughs) So for me, that works. Somebody else might say that's the cheesiest, corniest thing I've ever heard. And That will not help me. Other people might need to have something that gets them like fired up. I've got a map that's part of Brainwaves. He has a 10-minute motivational video that he listens to every single morning. And for him, that gets him into that right mindset, right? And it connects him to his philosophy. So identify who you are and what makes you tick, are you the best when you are high energy or do you need to be more mellow? When you're more mellow, do you need to be doing the meditation or are you listening to Bob Marley? All of us are so different yeah. that we need to leverage those differences rather than trying to do what somebody else is doing. Now, you may find somebody who is similar to you I say, oh, well, that looks like a good idea. I'll try that out. You know, and do it for two weeks and see if it works effectively.
0: I love it. That's but try, right. yeah. take action. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for your time today. And go
2: check out Chris and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get 3 audio chapters of Heather's book Sexy Boss: How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook. When you text the word SEXY to 7200. Again, text the word SEXY. That is S E X Y to 7200 and receive your 3 audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. For outside the USA, text SEXY two plus +1 323 three, double double Text sexy2 plus 1 Long distance charges may apply. Heather wants to hear from you. Questions you want answered on the show, comments, interview requests. Email media at sexybossinc.com or leave a private voicemail. 51 Boss is me. Again, the number is 512-677-4763. Check out all of Heather's sites. Heatherhavenwood.com Sexybossinc.com E2Lab.com DatingTriggers.com This is a Sexy Boss Wrap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.